Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Sorry about my uh, fumbles here. I'm trying to do this thing, this Facebook Live thing. I thought that would be fun to try what Antonio Brown did, uh, but uh, we'll see. I'm st- still <laughs> typing. So, Nick, Nick, how the hell are you? Oh, doing all right, Josh. Uh, kind of a bittersweet time, of course. You know, everybody's excited about the Super Bowl, but that also means there's only one more football game for the next seven months. So. <laughs> You know, bittersweet, of course. Uh, the Pro Bowl is Sunday, bud. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. To that we that. say, sorry. Into <laughs> <laughs> that we say, bet the over. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little bittersweet, but uh. So, in case you are watching the Facebook live feed, I figured out I can do it on my phone while I'm making a call on my phone. But there's no video coming through, so I'm sorry you don't get to see my pretty face because I am showered and clean. But uh, maybe maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe somebody could tell me how to do it. But I think it's actually coming through. Um, so uh, maybe you can check Facebook, Nick Cook. I don't know. If you're uh, listening or watching it on Facebook, comment. Tell us what you think. Um, and if it's not working, who cares? Uh, <laughs> um, we got a great show for you planned today. Obviously, we have a Super Bowl matchup to talk about. Um, and do some of the normal things that we do as well, Dynasty Trade Analysis, uh, Dynasty Dilemma, uh, for or against, and then our good friend Jeff Lloyd is going to stop by and do a little prospect scope for us, kind of talk about the class as a whole and give us some of his uh, his top top players at each uh, position. So looking forward to that. Um, I just want to say one thing. This is not a political podcast. It is football, and I don't want to piss anybody off. But uh, I just want to mention that uh, – I'm sure you've probably read about it now, but Johnny Manziel reached out to Donald Trump and told him not to uh, give in to Twitter trolls and then deleted his Twitter account. Now, Johnny Manziel took it upon himself to give somebody advice about being a better person. Now, that's just, I don't know, that's just, I think that really just says it all there, Nick. So that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Nick, any (laughs) follow-up? Um. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head. Um, <laughs> but it, it was entertaining to me that, that Manziel did delete his Twitter Twitter account just hours after after reaching out with that advice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's Johnny Manziel for you. But anyway, moving forward, um, we got a Super Bowl matchup. But let's uh, let's talk about the games that got us there. Kind of some stinkers, uh, kind of some one sided affairs, but. Uh, what did you think about uh, Green Bay at Atlanta? 
Well, first off, yes, the conference championship games, they weren't uber exciting, but, you know, nothing like the the Dallas Green Bay game of the divisional round. But at least we know for sure the two best teams are going to be in the Super Bowl. There's going to be no talk of, oh, the refs got this call wrong, so so so-and-so should have been in there. Nothing like that. We know for sure that Atlanta and New England are the two best teams. Very commanding performances by both. Uh, Atlanta was up 24-0 at halftime, then 31-0 after the – 73-yard Julio Jones touchdown less than 70 seconds into the second half. Uh, Green Bay was really hurt by injuries. It would have been interesting to see this game if both teams had been fully healthy. Uh, Nearly that whole receiving core was playing hurt. The offensive line was down to only five healthy bodies by the end of the game. So while the Atlanta defense did play very well, Green Bay was not anywhere near full strength. Uh, Usually the healthier teams win this time of year, and this was definitely the case in this game. Uh, Of course, Atlanta was led by the MVP candidate, Matt Ryan's 392 yards and four touchdowns touchdowns just go along with zero interceptions and zero sacks and Julio Jones nine catches 180 yards and two scores definitely uh the two stars helped uh, propel them to the Super Bowl uh and not that it was going out of the limb but I did say Matt Ryan could throw for 400 yards in that game and he almost did so we picked remember we picked a yardage total for quarterbacks at the end of the podcast last week and I I, I was all about Matty Ice um yeah you know Atlanta is just a smoking gun right now I think this you hit the nail right on the head when you said this, these are the two teams that deserve to be in this matchup. You know, this isn't the same Atlanta team that got throttled by the Denver Broncos after Gary Anderson missed a field goal for the first time in two years and sent the, <laughs> sent the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl versus Denver. This is a completely different team. I, I'm pretty sure I heard a stat last week. The Atlanta Falcons had never had consecutive winning seasons until Matt Ryan became their quarterback. That's just a phenomenal thing to consider since they've been around since the early 70s, I believe. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, you know, they match up well. Obviously, the the the, uh, the main focus for New England is going to be shutting down Julio Jones first. But, you know, they have a couple, they have a couple running backs you got you got to worry about. And Muhammad Sanu is a real player. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, you know, Austin Hooper's made some plays. Justin Hardy's got some speed. I mean, they've got a lot of they got a lot of weapons on this offense, so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they match up. I, I I only wish if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you, you probably wish this game was Sunday rather than to give Bill, Bill Belichick two full weeks to prepare for you. That's the one thing that really worries me about going into the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, Atlanta's just just a commanding performance and uh they they deserve to be there what what'd you think about uh pittsburgh at new england there nick well this was another game that wasn't as close as the final score indicates it was 33 to 9 after three quarters and you know another game that was also affected by injuries most notably of course Le'Veon bell who was hurt in the first quarter uh you know when a Belichick team only has to shut down one superstar antonio brown who had seven catches for 77 yards the writing was pretty much on the wall as soon as Le'Veon bell left the game especially since new england bell or new england was already up 10 to nothing when uh, the injury occurred. Uh, Last week we talked a little bit about how the Pats' offense is much better with Chris Hogan on the field, and for once it actually showed up on the stat sheet. As uh, Hogan was nine catches, 180 yards, and two scores, mirroring Julio Jones' day. Uh, Tom Brady, 32 uh, 42, 384 yards, and three scores. Uh, Julian Edelman also had a good game. Uh, you know, one point of view going into Super Bowl 51 that uh, if New England wins, Tom Brady solidifies his position as the number one quarterback of all time. 
And I know that some people have very compelling arguments for other quarterbacks, Montana, Manning, Unitas, as the greatest of all time. But for my money, Tom Brady's already sealed the deal. He is the greatest of all time, uh, provided he doesn't throw five interceptions in the Super Bowl, which, of course, would be maybe the least likely thing that would happen in the Super Bowl, right? Tom Brady throwing five picks? Uh, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he could have a bad day. Uh, this this Atlanta defense is, is built on speed all around, and I th- I think that that might catch New England off guard here and there. So I, that's that's a good matchup. Um, obviously, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he got hurt. There really wasn't much, but it, he kind of disappoints Pittsburgh again. Key moment when they need him, he's not out there. I mean, what is this team? I mean, do they have any? Do they have to re up this guy? I mean. Now Big Ben's saying he could possibly retire. Maybe that was just a mixed message, or maybe that was just uh, just for press. But, uh, I mean, this Pittsburgh thing, if they lose Lev Bell and, and Le'Veon Bell, that could be pretty interesting. But, Nick, is this, is this, does this maybe let uh, Lev Bell test the mark a little bit? Because it seems like every key moment they need him. He's not out there. That's true, but I don't know. I think it's tough to blame a guy for getting injured, injured, especially when there seem to be kind of fluke injuries that happen to Bell. And this Pittsburgh offense we saw without him on the field is not anywhere near the same type of offense that they are with him on the field. Uh, I, I think they'd be crazy to let him go. You know, I think he's a top three running back in the NFL without a doubt. Um, but, you know, money is always a big factor, and I'm not completely familiar with their salary cap situation, so it remains to be seen what will happen there. Uh, as far as Ben Roethlisberger, I, I don't think he's going to call it quits yet. Um, uh, he, he is, I believe, around 35 years old, so that is, like he said, the time that uh, that you start to contemplate such things. But I, I think he's got at least two more years left in him. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and back to the – of the Love Bell thing, it's it does come down to money, and he's going to want to get paid and paid like he is one of the top three running backs in the league. When you consider what this next next 2017 RB class looks like, and the and the class coming after it, because some of these good guys are coming back to school. I mean, you even if you take a guy in the first round, you're going to pay him a lot less than you're going to have to pay Le'Veon Bell the next couple of years. And Pittsburgh needs other help. Maybe they can spend some money in, on on the pass rusher department. Really, somebody to somebody to seal off the edge there because they they have some definite holes there. Uh, what do you think about right now, Nick? Is now with you? We've talked about Matty Ice here. Is now the time to trade high on Matty Ice? I mean, I own him in a 16-team league. I think he was the top scorer in that league. Quarterback quarterbacks are gold. I mean, I could probably get a king ransom if 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 I could find the right partner, right? I mean, what do you think? Is I mean, his, is his value ever going to get higher? Well, it's definitely the the highest it's ever been right now. So yeah, I think if you, especially if you have another solid option at quarterback, uh, I would definitely look into trading high on Matty Ice. Uh, just the same way, if you have Cam Newton, Cam Newton at this time last year, it would have been a great time to trade high on him. Not saying that Matty Ice is going to crash down the way Cam Newton did this year down into the teens as far as a quarterback rankings, but but yeah, I, I think I would probably tr- look to move him if possible. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's going to just come back to earth and be this, you know, average Joe quarterback. I just feel like his value is never going to be as high as it is right now. Uh, what do you think about Muhammad Sanu, Nick? Is it is it a time to trade high on him? I mean, he's he's 
been just a solid number two, and if he's going to be on the same field with Julio the next couple seasons, he's he's another guy where his value is probably not going to get any higher unless you know both him and Julio go for over a thousand yards next year, right? Yes, yeah, Sanu's a guy I think I would probably hold on to. I just, uh, he, you know, he had a pretty pretty decent year this year, his first year in Atlanta, and I, I just feel like he, with an extra year of him and Matt Ryan developing that chemistry, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he topped uh, if he topped his 2016 numbers next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you brought up Chris Hogan as well. Uh, coincidentally, our, our guest a little bit later on, Jeff Lloyd, went to the same college, Chris Hogan at Monmouth College. So I'm sure Jeff will be, even though Jeff's a Jets fan, I'm sure he'll be excited for Chris to get the chance to uh, to be, get a Super Bowl ring. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. But, uh, yeah, he continues to thwart his ADP. What a, he was so, so low. And, I, and I'm pretty sure we talked about him when he signed with New England. Is that that's potentially an, an intriguing move? And, you know this New England team. You know it's it's a little hard to get into the fold, and he it took a, him a while to get acclimated this year. But moving forward, he could be a very very solid wide receiver too for for that team and for your fantasy squad, I believe. So he's qu- quite the uh, quite the player, just quite the veteran. Just I love the way how he goes about himself and just the way he plays the game. But uh, yeah, really surprised. You know, even Matty Ice had a really bad ADP coming into this year. Pretty. Pretty low, anyway, considering how where he ended up. Uh, let's get to some dynasty trade analysis, Nick. Uh, this one was interesting, and and I, I obviously I had a harsh reaction to it. Let's see if you did as Twitter. I know Twitter did. Tarkandrick West, Spencer Ware, and JJ Nelson for Malcolm Mitchell and Eric Decker. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I definitely have to side with the uh, the team that picked up the two Kansas City running backs and JJ Nelson, uh, Malcolm Mitchell, uh, Patriot receivers. They're they're inconsistent. I know. Uh, going back to Chris Hogan, you said he could possibly be a fantasy wide receiver too. I see him more of the, as a three or four guy, just because the inconsistency. You know, the, he is going to have the games where he only has one or two catches. Malcolm Mitchell will probably be the same way, and and JJ Nelson also to an extent. Eric Decker uh, missed a lot of this season with injury. We don't really know what he's going to be at his age moving forward. But the two Kansas City running backs should be, you know, one of the two should be decent for at least the next couple of years. So I, I got to side with the team that picked up the running backs and J.J. Nelson. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and Twitter was 82% that way as well. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to own West or where, it's nice to have, you know, the, the other as well. And, you know, Larry Larry Fitzgerald's contemplating his future. You know, you're looking at a situation where J.J. Nelson could be the wide receiver one for the next couple of years in in Arizona. I mean, that's just the way it looks like right now. That could happen. Um, Decker's old and Mitchell, you know, inconsistent. We'll see. We'll see what he can give. I mean, he's obviously worked his way into Tom Brady's good graces, but we'll see what to – We'll see what he can give to them uh, moving forward. But he, he's an intriguing player that I like. I own a couple copies, but just uh, not quite sure. Not quite sure why somebody would pull this pull this trade off. And because it's not like you're trading running backs to get you know a couple young wide receivers. Decker's up there in age, and and Mitchell is good, but he's you know he still has a lot a lot to learn there. I believe. Well, Nick Tyrell Williams continues to be the Devonte Adams of this uh, of this 
off-season process here in Dynasty Trade Analysis. Uh, what do you think about uh, Tyrell Williams for Kevin White? Well, if Tyrell Williams is this year Devontae Adams, hopefully that's good news for Williams moving forward as Adams had a breakout year this year for sure. Uh, as far as this trade goes, uh, what's that old saying? A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. Uh, I think that's basically what this trade boils down to. You know you're getting a decent, solid player in Tyrell Williams, whereas Kevin White is a huge question mark, uh, only playing, I think, believe, four games, if I'm not mistaken, in his NFL career. So, yeah, I have to side with the side that picked up Williams, even though White has a much higher upside – a lot of potential there, but we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's just really it depends on uh, what you prefer at this point. I, I, we just, I just don't see a scenario where Tyler Williams is ever a wide receiver one, unfortunately. Um, so could eventually see that from Kevin White. So that's, I guess that's, I still, I still am holding out hope for white i don't know why but i am uh moving forward what uh by the way if you're scoring at home facebook live i believe does not work while you're on your phone so um you can only do a one person video that's kind of lame but anyway tyrell williams again nick jordan matthews and pick 1.12 for Rashard Perryman, Thomas Rawls, and your boy, Tariq Hill. What do you think? Well, this one to me is very, very close. Um, you know, Thomas Rawls, it's really hard to say what, what the future holds in store for him. He had a kind of a rough regular season, but then was really, really in prime form come playoff time. Um, to, to me, Tyreek Hill is the guy that uh, the guy that makes this trade uh, in in favor of the side that picks up Perryman, Rawls, and Hill. Uh, he's just a guy I really like. Maybe I'm too high on him. I don't know, but uh, I'm not really that big on Jordan Matthews. Had problems with drops, as most of the Eagles receivers did this year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty even trade, but just my preference towards Tyreek Hill makes me choose that side. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I would like to see what's what's available. I don't have anybody in mind really who's going to be available at that one point one two mark. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's flip a coin there. I mean, if you need if you need a couple wide receivers and, you know, you can get. Uh, get rid of Ross. I think. Williams and Matthews are definitely safer plays than Perryman and Hill collectively. So I, I understand understand the trade. I would probably shade a little bit towards that side, but again, I would like to be more 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 up to see who's a, <laughs> who's available for that pick. And I realize as somebody doing a dynasty podcast, I probably should have had that information before we started, but <laughs> I did. So next time. Uh, ooh, it's dynasty dilemma time. And I am not on the ball today. Apparently, I don't have my my notes in front of me here. One sec. Jordan, today we're doing the IDP style linebacker. Jordan Hicks, <laughs> excuse me, Jay Freeman, um, Devontae Freeman, Dante Hightower. Excuse me. Uh, so I had the chance to go first. Uh, I chose Jordan Hicks over Hightower, and so I'll, I'll go first here. And uh, then, then Nick will go. Uh, so Hicks, 
has already had his shares of up and downs so far throughout his career, just his two-year career. For, from the cause from the injury that caused him to miss half his rookie season in 2015 to learning a new scheme and a new position in 2016. Through it all, he's come out a better and more focused player, and I believe he will be and be beyond 2017 as well. Hightower is just 26, but after back-to-back 100 tackle seasons he in 2013 and 2014, he has yet to surpass 70 tackles in any season since. He has only played in 16 games once in his five-year career. He only he's only played on 54% of the snaps in 2015 and just 69% at 2016. While that 69% seems like an improvement, I would expect a much bigger increase since Jamie Collins was dealt mid-season in, in New England. Hicks played on 75% of the snaps as a rookie and 95% of the snaps this year. Again, that was in a new defensive scheme. Also consider Hicks spent much of the last offseason rehabbing a torn pectoral muscle that, that again cut his rookie season in half. So he really was not able to do any offseason weight training. Rather, rather he was gingerly trying to get back in order so he could get back on the field. Now he enters an offseason relatively healthy, <coughs> excuse me, and knowing where he fits in a scheme that he just played 16 games in. Already, already, all the signs are pointing up for Hicks to churn in a major 2017. Hightower is a free agent who made $7 million in 2016. Do you think the Pats will pony up anything comparable to what Jamie Collins got four years, $51 million, with $26 million guaranteed? They basically would have to pay him 11 to $12 million per, and this is for a guy that's struggled to stay healthy and struggled to stay to, to get production on the field those last couple of years for New England. Uh, Hicks is making little to no money. It's crazy what a third-round pick makes. Uh, and uh, But he's relatively got a secure, safe path in, uh, in Arizona, excuse me, in, in Philadelphia for the next couple of years. So we'll see. We'll see what that huge contract is after he has a couple dominant years there for the Eagles. So, Nick, what do you have for us on Dante Hightower? Well, in a straight-up comparison, you definitely win, Josh. Uh, You look at DFW's rankings, Hightower is the linebacker number 52, whereas Hicks is all the way up at linebacker number 16. But I believe that is way too much of a gap, uh, meaning that Hightower is the better value. Uh, one perceived knock on Hightower is that this is his fifth year in the NFL, whereas Hicks is only in year two. But Hightower is still only 26 years old. Uh, both players come with some uncertainty. Hightower is set to be a free agent, while Hicks is rumored to possibly be moving from inside to outside linebacker, which would likely hurt his IDP value. Uh, Hightower is a free agent, yes, but by trading away Jamie Collins, New England should have enough money left over to pay Hightower. According to SpotTrack.com, Hightower's market value is around $10 million a year, and seeing as they're already paying him $7.7 million this year, that's not too big a jump considering the Pro, Bowler, the Pro Bowler Hightower is also the defensive captain on the number one scoring defense in the NFL. 
Hightower <laughs> does have some injury concerns, yes, but he has played in at least 12 games in every one of his five NFL seasons. And like you mentioned, Hicks was only able to suit up for half the games in his rookie year. Uh, and yes, Hicks did have 85 tackles this year compared to Hightower's 65, but Hicks moving outside would likely even those tackle numbers out somewhat. Uh, so in Hightower, you're getting a for sure inside linebacker at six foot three, 265 pounds. He's not built for outside linebacker like Hicks is at six one, two thirty six. And also Hightower is more polished, has five straight years with 60 or more tackles, including 97 tackles in 2003. Uh, these numbers are all according to Roto World, uh, um, by the way. And uh, he was voted AFC starting inside linebacker in this year's Pro Bowl. Um, all for the price of linebacker number 52, while linebacker number 16, it'll take a lot more capital to, capital to acquire Hicks, whose production could wind up very similar to Hightower's. Uh, yeah, very good. I like I like your points there with him. Certainly, definitely be in a better value there. I do I do agree with you there. But uh, and you heard that Hicks could be moving outside linebacker, huh? I didn't hear that. Um, yeah, a couple, would, a couple of the Philly, Philly beat writers uh, were, wrote, wrote, uh, wrote articles about that, yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's a for sure thing. It's not a for sure thing, but those, those are the rumors swirling around Philly. Well, they kind of under underused Michael Kendricks last year, at outside, played him at outside linebacker, and he is just, just 5'11", 230. He might be a better guy to play in the middle. Um so maybe that could help his value, but uh, that that is an interesting note there. I had not uh, had not found that in my research, but uh, uh, again, both quality players. I just really like how things are pointing up for Hicks, and uh, really really impressed how he stepped into a new scheme this year and was able able to flourish. Um, it's time for for or against. I don't know why I always say it like that when we have the clip, but uh, today we're going to take a look at Adrian Peterson. Time for, for, or again. Okay, so I, very unwisely, will say, took the foresight of this situation. (laughs) Uh... 32-year-old running back, uh, but anyway, for AP, teams like, are you ready for this? The Packers, Lions, Seahawks, Panthers, Giants, Buccaneers, Redskins, Raiders, and I've even heard the Texans, all potential teams interested in making a playoff run with the ancient 32-year-old running back. And I believe if that ends up, he will certainly see a majority share wherever he ends up. Well, I know I know I'm stating the obvious, but Adrian Peterson's going to be 32 years old in March, and he's not a young 32. Uh, it's not like he was in a timeshare for half his career, uh, the way uh, Richard Jennings uh, or somebody like that. Uh, he's got over 2,400 carries on his resume. That takes a lot of toll on the body. Okay. Let me ask you a question, Nick. Can I can I ask you a question, Nick? Building oh, you're building course. a contending NFL you're building a contending NFL franchise 
knowing what you know now, would you rather have Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson? I would take Frank Gore just uh, because he's been more consistent throughout his career as far as being able to stay healthy and on the field. Um, uh, they're probably fairly equal talents at this point in their career, so I, I think I would take Frank Gore. Well, yeah, I was hoping you'd say Adrian Peterson, but anyway, I uh, should have said yes better for that. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, well, if you look what Gore did last year, I believe – Adrian Peterson could certainly do something comparable to that. Uh, so I, I still think there's a lot, a lot of life left in those legs, you know, and in whether he, whether we want to admit it or not, I just think there's a lot of life left in those legs. What do you got next? Um, I, I disagree with you. In the three games that he played this season, he sure looked like he had hit that wall. Uh, he had 72 yards combined in those three games, under two yards per carry. Week one versus Tennessee, 19 carries, 31 yards, 1.6 yards per carry. In week two versus Green Bay, 12 carries, 19 yards. Again, 1.6 yards per carry. He's, he's not the same running back that he used to be, and now he's also coming off a severe injury. Okay, well, like I said earlier, wherever he goes, I think he'll definitely see a majority share. And I think that's because he will not, uh, unlike Frank Gore, he will not have a touchdown vulture. I think he's going to be the guy that comes in and scores the touchdowns. Um, And, you know, yeah, he had a bad bad time last year when he played. Uh, Maybe he wasn't always healthy. Maybe he shouldn't have came back in those games. But uh, let's not forget that offensive line was crap. And so if he went to a place like – like Oakland, if Oakland just gave him a one-year deal to see what the hell happens, why not? Run, run, run with that line. I would love to see that. Well, he's set to make $18 million on his contract this year with Minnesota. That's obviously not going to happen. So not only do we not know where he's going to wind up, you know, that could be in a running back by committee situation, uh, but with, with no team's – willing to even come close to paying him what he's used to making, he could just decide to retire. I mean, if you were used to making 10, 15 million a year and all of a sudden the best you can get is two or 3 million a year, you might just decide to hang it up, especially after all the wear and tear on that body. Um, I would take 2 million a year <laughs> uh, for the record. Uh, if anybody out there wants to pay me that, um, I think, as a fan of football myself, I have never seen somebody as powerful as they are elusive, and I and that's that's I think that's a, a and I honestly mean that just about any running back. I've just never seen that, and I know the guy is thirty-two years old, but he recently said, <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, but he recently said he believes he can play five more years. So I don't think he's ready could be letting letting up anytime soon. Well, it may not even come down to whether or not he wants to play. I mean, some players with checkered pass have trouble finding work. Some teams may be wary after Peterson beat the crap out of a four-year-old child with a stick a couple years ago. And as recently as one year ago, Peterson still insisted he did nothing wrong. If I was an owner, the crime itself would make me hesitate to sign him, and his unrepentantness would probably guarantee that I would stay away. Just uh, I wouldn't want that PR nightmare on my hands. Wow. You went there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, 
Uh, there's a couple things that I want to say about that, but I am not Jamie Dukes. That's right, the Jamie Dukes that works for whatever company now, ESPN. So I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave it alone. I tweeted at Jamie Dukes about that whole series, and he uh, he didn't like me very much. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> that was a, that was Adrian Peterson. Nick, it's in our Q and A this week. What do you think? If he plays, do you think there's any possible way he has a thousand yard season? Adrian Peterson next year. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I don't, I, I don't question that he could is capable of getting a thousand <laughs> yards, especially if he's a lead back and not in a committee situation. Uh, I, I just think long term, especially at like 2018, I, I don't think he would even be a, a 600 yard back. I, I think he's gonna. The wall, I think, is already there. If and if it's not there right now, it's coming very soon. Okay. But 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 yes, I, I do say think one more a thousand yards. Yeah. One more thing before we pass Jeff over. He's patiently waiting for us. Adrian Peterson, I just think even if he doesn't play two more years, next year, wherever he plays, he's going to get an opportunity. And if you're a contending team and you can get him for probably less than you would need to pay for him any other time in his career, why not? You know, why not have that guy as insurance? Because we know what could happen. And obviously he could fizzle and never never be a relevant player again. But there's just still potential there, even at the heightened age. He's he's going to be a man on a mission wherever he goes next year. And I'm, and I'm excited to watch watch him play and give it give it a go with a, a new team because yeah, Minnesota's not paying him eighteen million dollars. Let's patch Jeff Lloyd through. Jeff, are you there? Uh, yeah, I'm just listening to all the love of uh, Adrian Peterson. I mean, I guess if you own a Ferrari without an engine or a trans, you still own a Ferrari. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some lofty, uh, some lofty thoughts you guys got there. Uh, I, I don't think it. Well, let's put it this way: if he got 499 carries at his pace of 1.9, yeah, I guess he could maybe get a thousand next year. <laughs> all right, just just ponder this. How you guys, guys been? Good, good. Just ponder this, though. You only need 60 yards per game to get 1,000 yards. That's really not that – when you think about it that way, it's really not that impressive. But it's really not that hard either, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, moving forward, Jeff, I, I feel bad. I usually warn people. I think – I don't know how many times you've been on the show. I, I, but I, Numerous. Did, did, we, did you – yeah, yeah, I, I've lost count. But I feel like every – I do tell people – when they're on the show for the third time that they've earned themselves a musical intro. And I just completely forgot to tell you that. And I didn't give you a musical intro. So next time we'll get you next you time. Right. Six All times right. a charm. Cool. So start. Yeah. Start, start thinking uh, you need, you need to be ready next time for a musical intro. But anyway, we asked Jeff to stop by because he just basically dorks out about the NFL draft. All year long so he's he's going to give us some some great information um well just kind of look at that the combine obviously this, we had the east west shrine game last week um there was something called the collegiate bowl on yesterday um <laughs> nfl pa collegiate bowl I don't, I don't know what that was but there was college players playing it and um there was also sec gymnastics on yesterday in the afternoon uh, i was laying in bed but anyway um this week we have the Senior Bowl, another huge part of the process. Next next month we have the Combine. Who 
who needs a good combine? Obviously, we were getting some people standing out the senior bowl and these other bowls, but who really needs a good combine to help help their draft status, you think? Well, I think most of it, obviously, you know, I mean, right now, I mean, obviously with the senior bowl and obviously the top of that class, you know, we're starting to get officials now as far as, you know, sizes and things of that, you know, you know, we get, you know, guys who lose two and a half inches, guys who lose three inches, you know, the people who've lied, you know, then there's, you know, you take uh, Jordan Lewis, a cornerback out of Michigan, for example, he actually went to the senior bowl, was taller and weighed more than he was listed at Michigan. Uh, you go, uh, there was a kid, uh, he's a safety I love out of UConn named Obi Malafonwu. Six foot four, two hundred nineteen pounds, uh, thirty-three inch arms. You know, I mean, so you know, the hype wow. starts to build when we can start to legitimize what these players, what they aren't. You know, I mean, a lot of it, and what it comes down to is, is I mean, the testing time. You know, I mean, gr- granted, yeah, you look fast sometimes on a Saturday in September against uh, Grand Valley Tech. You know, but now let's start the <laughs> times to it and see how you're going to look. You know, when you're playing against the players of your competition. Obviously, I think the biggest thing will be the four quarterbacks getting to throw side by side. Because, you know, obviously it worked out. None of them are seniors. Uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously, I think he made the correct choice. You know, everyone else had about a month off before senior bowl to kind of get themselves in mode for it. You know, obviously Watson, about 13 days off, coming off the grueling schedule of what he did. Whether anybody wants to admit it, the ACC was the best football conference in college football this year. He really had nothing to prove by going this week. I think the only thing he could have done is hurt his stock by going there. So, I mean, that's going to be the most exciting thing, is starting to, you know, figure out where where we got with these, you know, top four quarterbacks. Okay. Um, I remembered when you were talking. You did, you did give us a couple of clips last last year. You were on, so that's this is going to be your intro right now. It's not it's not essentially so much the actual forty time as it is the ten yard split. And part of it is is look, we're in an era with some ridiculously talented defensive players, guys like JJ Watt with the amazing size, athletic ability, and quickness that they have. These guys are going to blow up a running play. In three quarters of a second. Nice. Oh, that's so good. You sound so young. That was just last year. Believe it or not, I have friends that tell me this. As my two daughters get older, they think I get younger. I, I don't know how it works, but I think maybe I just I have no choice. I just have to sleep less and be more prepared for everything. All right, well, why don't we just kind of take a look at some positions here, Jeff. I asked you to come up with some top fives for 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 the running backs and wide receivers. So let's start with wide receivers. But first, of course, i got, I got to remind everybody that Jeff was a college wide receiver at Monmouth College. Uh, the pride of Monmouth College Chris Hogan, of course, baby. Chris Holt. Yes, baby. And I know I know you're not a Pats fan, but you got to be pretty happy if, if that guy's putting on a Super Bowl ring in a, couple, in a week, right? Well, what I've been telling everybody here is, look, the Jet fan in me, what I figure is, is look, the more Super Bowls the Patriots win, the closer and closer I am to a Brady and Belichick regime leaving. They're going to get tired and bored of this. <laughs> so, I mean, if they're going to go, they might as well just win them. I mean, maybe it'll give them more and more cause to just call it a day and, you know, venture off to the, uh, you know, happy confines of Canton, Ohio. Yeah, I like that. Definitely like that. So, what do you got for us on top five wide receivers? Uh, me right now, uh, number one, I, I, and it's you, you guys know me, for the most part I've always been a, a, a dominant power five guy. I don't like to stray from the top conferences. But one guy that has forced me to reevaluate that is Corey Davis. The four years of what he's done at, uh, at Western Michigan, absolutely just incredible. Year after year, just consistent. 
shown more, you know, whether it was adding more speed and breakaway ability, more yak ability. This year, I mean, he started to take into most of his plays by the sidelines or whether it was, you know, things of that nature. Not only was he doing it one-footed, he was doing two-footed. Just he's really yeah. impressed me as the years have gone on. Um, you know, some people thought he bowed out of the senior bowl. Turns out maybe he, he had a little shoulder scope done, be it whatsoever. Obviously, for a guy like him, you know, it, it's time for Indy now. I mean, he's played numerous Big Ten teams. He excelled in those games. I don't think it was that big of a deal whether, he, you know, he's down in Mobile this week or not. But I just absolutely love him as my one. He's, he gives me a little bit of an Anquan Bolden vibe that, you know, he, he looks bigger than he is, but you underestimate the quickness and the speed that he also has to his game. Just a well-rounded wide receiver. Um, beginning of the year, I was, I was really down on Mike Williams' first half of the season. You know, I saw a lot of drops, you know, uh, you know, too many just back shoulder plays where, you know, hey, that's great. You're catching what they're throwing to you. But, you know, that's, you know that doesn't always lead to a dominant NFL success. And then just talking with some of my buddies, and somebody actually finally texted me the one day. He's like, hey, why don't you give the guy a break? Give him a couple games to see if maybe he can get over the fact that he broke his neck last year, and he's not afraid to take a hit, and he trusts his body. But we the way through this, and he just saw Mike Williams just take off. I mean, catching every route, running every route. You know, he started to see the yak ability pick up. You know, towards the end of the year, dragged three, three defenders into the end zone, I think, against was, yeah, the South Carolina game. He just really, really popped as the year went on, Mike Williams. I mean, you know, with a history of guys named Mike Williams, I really suggest maybe he goes by Michael. But, you know, that's uh, <laughs> I um, John Ross out of Washington. He, I, I, you know, I, my, my wide receivers, I always kind of like divvy it up. I like a little bit of everything. John Ross, what he did this year, I mean, you got to keep in mind, you know, he had an okay second year at Washington. Obviously missed all of his third year with the, uh, with the knee injury. But came on this year. I mean, he, this guy is as fast as they come. He's my pick right now. You know, if I'm wagering, I'm going to wager on him to be the fastest 40 run at the Combine this year. Uh, maybe a couple concerns, you know, where's the hand size going to get check out. So far, it seems most of these wide receivers are, hands are a little bit on the smaller side. But you know, then again, though, with the, you know, the gloves that everybody wears nowadays, you can kind of, you know, if you have sub-nine-inch hands, your hands are maybe almost even up to, you know, nine and eight, a little bit over. So it does bail you out. Uh, you know, everyone saw that, you know, the uh, route against the Dory Jackson. Obviously, Dory won the battle that day, but John Ross got the battle of that one just – just phenomenal. I mean, can blow the absolute top of a defense. You know, for a guy like him, if you put him as second fiddle in Tampa Bay to Mike Evans, I mean, just imagine what you're doing for a guy like Jameis Winston, where they, you know, you have no choice. You can't really double Mike Evans because John Ross is most likely going to beat anybody, you know, one-on-one. It's a perfect matchup for him there. Number four, uh, this is an intriguing one, Curtis Samuel. I, you know, I, I still think some people think, oh, let's, maybe let's make him a running back. Patterns he ran in, you know, obviously – he, he did incredibly well in both aspects at Ohio State. But, you know, you saw as the year, uh, as the year went on, you know, he grew more confident in the patterns. I think it'd be a mistake to really put him anywhere else. Obviously, you can throw him back in a carrier to a game, you know, just to mix up your looks. But I think a guy like him is just going to excel as it goes on and on. You know, and similarly, like, I had the only concerns I had about Mike Thomas last year at Ohio State was, you know, here was a guy that saw, you know, maybe 65 targets, you know, in his final season at Ohio State. You know, how will you handle the volume increase? You know, as a, you know, full-time, you're seeing the ball legitimately that much in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Mike Thomas basically kindly took that and, you know, turned it into 92 receptions. So I think Curtis Samuel is a guy like that. We're, we're going to see, you know, he's going to get in the league, going to put, start putting they're going to keep him out wide. And you're just going to see, you know, it just an athlete just absolutely mm-hmm. ball out there. Um, my fifth, I actually kind of went with a little bit of a YOLO ball here. Um, I know everybody seems to want to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not the biggest a fan. I see him get open pretty well against zone coverage. I don't think he's athletic enough. 
where he's going to win a lot of battles. And, man, I actually, for a couple of months, I've been talking to myself more and more, is I actually like Darius Rogers at the USC. He seems to carry, I mean, his frame seems to be a little bit better. Everything he catches, he catches with his hands. Works well when the quarterback has to break the pocket and on the run. He, he's Darius Rogers. You know, I'm going to put him fifth here. He's going to, somebody that's going to finish in my top ten. I was dying for somehow for him to get the mobile. I mean, I think I almost annoyed the senior bowl staff to the point where they were getting close to blocking me because every Monday or Tuesday when out came the nominations, I kept putting up his name, putting up his name, and they finally just kind of politely asked <laughs> me to basically told me he's not coming. He wasn't considered, so. But he's a guy I really like. I mean, I'm always a fan of the guys who are pure hands catchers, and that's definitely what a guy like Darius Rogers is. Okay. Um, I noticed some sites have Evan Ingram listed at wide receiver. Have you have yeah, you I, heard? Is that is that is that kind of where the way it's going to go? It's actually kind of funny because I, I picked up on it. Uh, I guess it was yesterday because uh, I know I was I was looking at something on CBS mm-hmm. and I noticed his name there and it, it was just shocking to see his name. I, I'm pretty sure this is Rob Rang and Dane Brugler's rankings, and I think they had him at six. And I, I looked and I said, I, I, you know, nobody got back to me. I tried, but I knew it had to be new because I would have known. It, there's no way they just vaulted him to six. He, you know, there's no way he was any lower. I, I, I don't think I see it. You know, I mean, more of, you know, the offline tight end, you know, using him in a big slot type of thing. I mean, if you want to go with maybe like a Quincy and Noonwood type where, you know, maybe some, if you're forced to label, is he a wide receiver, is he a tight end? Some might choose wide receiver, some might choose tight end. But, you know, 6'3", 236, I mean, you know, that's what he weighed in, you know, down there yesterday. That's a little heavy for someone, for me to be considering somebody a wide receiver. Figure, you know, now that he's out of college, you know, they probably play more, maybe a little bit over 240. I, I think we're going to call him more of a tight end. You Maybe you won't see him in line full time, you know, like you see the traditional, like you would see a Jake Butt or an O.J. Howard. But uh, Evan Ingram for me, is definitely going to be a tight end, and I, I really like the future for him. I think if you put him in a place where he's used correctly, Maybe, you know, honestly, I mean, New York Giants, I kind of like what they have there. But if you want to bring him in late second round as opposed to what they have there, I mean, that's a beautiful matchup. Yeah, I like that. That would be good. Like you said, move tight end, kind of that Jordan Reed type of player. Uh, Nick, Nick, any questions there about the – Only thing with the Jordan Reed thing is I think Jordan Reed's just a little bit better as far as an open field runner. But, you know – Hey, I mean, it's it's not bad if someone even throws you into the ring with a guy like Jordan Reed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nick, any questions there? Well, you mentioned uh, Corey Davis uh, uh, played pretty well in his games against the Big Ten teams that he uh, faced. Uh, I was wondering, uh, did any of those Big Ten teams have, like, big-time cornerbacks that we would know about, uh, big-name guys that we could say, well, Corey Davis dominated so-and-so? Um, I mean, I know obviously Michigan State a couple of times. They, you know, for years produced corners. It, it wasn't even so much that. It's just the body of his work. I mean, you saw a guy, you know, when you're watching a team like that play, you know, if you, if you took your mother into the room who knew nothing about it and you said, which one do you think is Corey Davis? You want to watch two plays <laughs> and you should be able to identify who the star is on a small school. And, yeah. and Corey Davis just does that. It works the middle of the field, works the, works the hash marks. I mean, just a guy, I mean, obviously his story, you know, is kind of how he ended up at Western uh, Western Michigan, grew up with a tough upbringing, you know, obviously had a brother who, you know, had a cup of coffee with the Jets, so had the talent, you know, kind of had the knowledge how to succeed, you know, just kind of needed to get himself in a position where he could just, you know, feel comfortable, realize, you know, that he was taken care of, he had, you know, food to eat every day, and he just took his opportunity and he ran with it. Okay, we, uh, 
We talked about a couple small school guys last week. I was just kind of interested to get your thoughts on uh, Taiwan Taylor out of uh, Western Kentucky and Carlos Henderson. The missile out of La Tech. Uh, I'm going to start with Carlos Henderson. Carlos Henderson, right off the bat, gives me not not what you saw from Jarvis Landry while he was at LSU, but what you're seeing from Jarvis Landry now. Um, first off, he's tough as nails over the middle. I mean, he will take the hit. He'll keep going. Henderson is a fun, fun player. I think we have this year with the wide receiver group, you know, maybe it's not as chock full of, you know, number one wide receivers, number two wide receivers. But as the league goes on and on more and more, you know, we're seeing the value of these slot guys. And, you know, you see a lot of that with this group we have here. I think Henderson is one of the best. Obviously, you know, you know you're talking about a guy who told Louisiana Tech he's leaving early to go to the draft. Obviously, he received a decent enough grade where he was comfortable enough to do that. Huge fan of his. Taiwan Taylor, Taiwan Taylor can ball. There's just no way around it. And obviously, you know, if you want to, you know, mock on the conference he played in, yeah, well, then you go to his Alabama game. You know, who's laughing now? You're talking 11, you know, you're talking <laughs> a defense with 11 to 15 NFL players in Alabama. Minimum. Minimum. Went in yeah. there nine for almost uh, darn near a buck 30. Uh, he's had a good week so far. Uh, one guy, I talked to a couple guys last night. Had a couple slight adjustments, but the things they noticed yesterday in a little bit of limited I saw was the mistakes he made, he went back out on the field, and that mistake was done. It wasn't made a second time. He seems really quick on the upbeat, which he's going to have to be. Obviously, you know, there's just some things, you know, coming from the, you know, the type of offense he played there and going more pro style. But seems to be the quick learner. And the other thing is really, really good once he's got the ball in his hands. I mean, you know, he can definitely, you know, he'll take a nine-yard route and turn it into 25. Like, it's, you know, like it's no problem for him. Really like his game. Okay. Um, one more guy I also wanted to ask you about. Uh, Isaiah Ford, Virginia Tech, I – some people have him in second, third round type of player. I just don't hear anybody talking about him. But I, I, I watched film on him last summer. I don't think I have gotten too deep into his game this year. But I really like him. I think he's, I think he's a Victor Cruz type of player. Pretty, pretty explosive. What do you think? Not a bad player. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed in him and in Evans uh, for everybody just kind of walking, you know, leaving Virginia Tech this year. I don't think, you know, what those guys left down on their resume was probably good enough for them to feel that it was, you know, okay to time to leave. Obviously, you know, you're talking about Virginia Tech as a program for years stuck in the, you know, the Frank Beamer style of football, you know, the kind of refusing to adapt, you know, to, to more modern. Now, here it was this year. They opened it up a little bit. You know, things started to look on the rise. Now, you imagine they would have returned a quarterback. They could have returned Bucky Hodges. They could have returned him. Could have returned another wide receiver. And these guys all just up and left. I just – I think – I do like his game. I, I just think that that one more year playing in, you know, what, you know, is probably either, you know, 1A or 1B, however you want to rank these conferences right now, the ACC, probably a mistake. I mean, they really could have probably helped themselves, you know, drafted higher at, had they had stayed. But here it is. And, you know, obviously he's got a lot to prove, uh, you know, about a month from now in Indianapolis. Okay. Let's move on to your top five running backs. What do you got? Well, well, guys, I know I'm really going to shock you here. I mean, you know, as far as going number one, you know, I mean, I'm sure that everyone's going to be stunned here when I put Dalvin Cook out there. Um, but look, I mean, I followed this program for 30 years. I have not missed a I have not missed a Florida State game either live or taped in 30 years. Had a grandmother who lived in Florida. Even the local games that I couldn't get when you know years ago, she would videotape and send to me. For me to say that you are the best offensive skill player to ever come out of any school, whether it's a Florida State or Ohio State or Michigan. Dalvin Cook is that good. Just a phenomenal player. And as the years go on, the pass receiving obviously, you know, progressed. And he was better and better with that. 
I know he's getting a nod. It seems some of the big media will keep wanting to – I don't know if they're trying to defend Leonard Fournette by keep bringing up Dalvin Cook, all with the shoulder injuries. You know, it, it seems to be something that they want to push in, like a defense of Leonard Fournette, which, you know, look, Leonard Fournette's case is his own, and it's a damn good one. But I, I, I don't want to hear about somebody's potential shoulder injuries when they missed one game in three years, and it was because of a minor hamstring tweak a week before he went and played Clemson. So let's at least get me to the combine and have doctors tell us that there might be an issue with his shoulders as opposed to some people just trying to stir it up. I, I think he should go in the top ten. Will he? Maybe not. I mean, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was rare that a running back went that high. Todd Gurley, you know, did he deserve to go that high? Maybe. But then again, you never can, you can really have any understanding what Jeff Fisher's ever planning on doing. But uh, so <laughs> I absolutely love. Um, Leonard Fournette, obviously a fantastic player. Only thing with Fournette, though, is you're going to have to find, you know, some of the coaches in the league who still value, I want my running back to get 20 carries a game. He's kind of that guy where, you know, obviously you're not microwaving your turkey dinner. You're cooking it. It's a slow process. As the time goes on, you want him to, you know, pick up the pace, work, you know, yeah, with each carry, pick up this momentum. But Fournette is just an absolutely fantastic back as well. I mean, he's a low. You're going to be damn near probably measuring damn near two for 40 and probably running the four four. It's just an insane, insane thing. Uh, at third running back, uh, you know, basically the purple elephant in the room, you know, this is all based on what you think of him or what you trust him. Joe Mixon, whether you like the guy or not, or you're happy with what he did, the guy is a tremendously talented running back. He's a great football player on the field. Obviously a lot comes with that. If you bring him in, you better have a plan in place. You better know the people around you, how they're going to deal with it, how they're going to take it. But a fantastic dual threat. Uh, I mean, and the other thing with Mixon is, I mean, he doesn't just run routes. He runs deep routes. You know, I mean, he's ran seam routes and succeeded. Just a lot of potential there. I really like him. Uh, Christian McCaffrey at four. Again, another guy that brings you, you know, obviously versatility, does, you know, does both ends of the game well. You know, even throws in some returnability. You know, you've got to like the fact that obviously, you know, his father, you know, coming from the NFL background, he's got to know this game well. Uh, a smart move by him. You know, a lot of people always oh, skip the bowl game. Well, you know, hey, this is going to, you know, this is a copycat world we all live in nowadays. People see this happen. It's only going to happen more and more. So, you know, it's something I can't fault him for. Number five, I'm actually going to go with the other running back out of Oklahoma, Samjay Perrine. You know, just a load, kind of similar to Fournette. You know, you're going to need to find a way to get, his, get him his carries. He's not going to be a guy that's going to thrive in a game where he gets 9 to 12 carries. Probably needs closer to his 20. You know, gets better as the game goes on. And I just remember last year, uh, last year in the playoffs, they played Clemson. Uh, just watching, you know, Mixon got knocked out, got the concussion. Perrine had pretty much tore up his ankle, went back in, finished the game. You know, then about 10 days later, I went off to get surgery. So you know who I injured he was. You know, that's the kind of guy I want to go to war with on Sundays. Yeah, I like, I like Perrine a whole lot. I mean, obviously, you can't argue with anybody right there in your top five. Uh, you know, maybe people will put it in different order, but uh, – yeah, Perrine is just so strong, too. And, and if I'm looking to get a guy that I know is going to get those tough yards up the middle and, and, I, and I can't or don't want to spend a first-rounder on a guy like Fournette, I, Perrine's certainly my next choice. He's just so, so strong. I, I really I really am excited about him. I know I know it's pretty it's hard to rank him above any, any one of those guys, but I think I think he could surprise people with a good landing spot. He could be he might be end up being the leading rookie rusher out of that class. I, I just I feel like Cook and Fournette could go to teams that uh, desperately need them and don't maybe aren't uh, aren't prepared to block for them right away. So I really like Perrine. Uh Nick, any questions there about the top five running backs? 
Well, I was wondering just uh, in general, uh, the wide receivers compared to the running backs, uh, is there one class that's deeper than the other, do you believe? Well, I, for me, like people ask this a lot, I'm always going to tell you wide receivers deeper because there's times where you're playing five at a time. So, you know, it should usually be deeper. This is a pretty great – this is a pretty deep running back class. Actually took a couple of hits. We thought it would be even deeper than it was. Maybe some guys read between the lines and said, look, maybe I don't want to be part of the deepest running back class in draft history, which is a smart move. So, I mean, running, you should always be able to get more wide receiver depth than you are running back. You know, that probably much, pretty much goes without saying. Uh, and one other thing I missed on Perrine is, look, if we're getting to an era where teams are trying to take college safeties at maybe 215, bulk them up to 221, 222, and put them at linebacker, you know, I'm going to counter that as I'm going to counter that with a 235-pound bowl like Perrine at running back and say, well, how's your undersized <laughs> linebacker going to deal with this? Yeah. Yeah, look out, Mark Barron. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, one – one guy that's intriguing, but is only 169 pounds and 5'8", Donnell Pumphrey. What are your thoughts? I mean, super, super productive, but, I mean, what what can he do at the next level? Well, I mean, you know, everybody, when you want to talk a small running back, everybody wants to throw out, you know, Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles weighed over 190 pounds. Darren Sproles was yeah. jacked for his size. I, I mean, I saw some of your pictures yesterday, and, you know, seeing him, Pumphrey standing next to some of these other guys, I mean, it kind of looked like somebody brought his kid brother with him. I mean, you don't ever want to rule a guy out, but, you know, if it, it's me. It's going to be really hard for me to say, look, man, I'm banging the table. We got to have this 170-pound running back. I don't care what happens. I mean, look, what he did, and, you know, he can't – uh, obviously the leading rusher all-time in NCAA history. You can't take that away from him, but – in the same respect, though, I mean, I, I kind of ha- also have a little humanity. I don't know if I can put a 170-pound running back on an NFL field. I just don't know if I can do it. Yeah. Who – he reminds me a little bit. Was it Garrett Wolf came out of Northern uh, Illinois? Northern Illinois. Went, went to the – yeah, went to the Bears. I mean, he was about that same size. He maybe weighed a little bit more, but went to the Bears and really never was able to get on the field. Just kinda, he kind of reminds me of that type of – I think he had like a week 17 once where he had like, you know, 19 for 59 or something. You know, I just, oh, yeah. I, I, I just, I, obviously somebody will try, but I, I'm not going to bang the table or risk my job, you know, telling you we need a, you know, a running back that, you know, when we have our, when we have our model of what we're looking for, look, I know he's 35 pounds less than what we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I just, I can't tell that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other any other small school guys that that, that intrigue you at all? I, I kind of like the the uh, raging Cajun Elijah McGuire. Anybody else out there you like? No, yeah, definitely McGuire's a solid player. I mean, you have you have good depth, obviously. You know, probably from I'd say you know maybe from the six spots to the fifteen, you guys can all play. I just I, I think we just this year we have a top heavy class with with big name guys who do big big things. I mean. I, and the question will come down to a thing like, you know, would you look at an elite, uh, you know, Elijah McGuire, or, you know, do you look at Joe Mixon and say, you know, am I going to take the chance on this guy to be what I'm hoping this guy could be, or do I deal with the fact that kid did what he did? And, look, I can't condone what Joe Mixon did. Yeah, I'm married. I got two daughters. He's probably not a guy I'm bringing in. I'm going to hopefully try to find a way to fill the void somehow, somewhere else. 
But, you know, look, there's 32 teams, and we know the way NFL front offices and locker rooms are. And the bottom line comes down to is all it takes is for one guy who's got the heavy hand in charge there to say, look, we're paid, we're employed to win football games. And somebody's going to cave, and I, I, I think Joe Mixon will be gone. Joe Mixon will be gone before the second round is over. Okay. Uh, one more question. I, I, I don't see it with Wayne Gallman out of Clemson. I just don't see a, a translation. I, I think there's a role for him. I just don't see him as an RB one. What, what are your thoughts? I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm probably with you there. Like you know, he looked good with Clemson. I never really saw a lot of home run ability. I mean, if you wanted to maybe find an NFL team where you think it would match up what you've seen at Clemson, maybe it'd be Tennessee. Obviously, I don't think they're in the market for a running back anytime soon. They seem to be pretty content with what they got down there. I think he's going to be a hard guy to fit, you know, because, you know, you're going to look to do maybe some traditional eye stuff or, you know, work it more out of the center. You know, him, he's probably, you know, probably go somewhere running back-wise, you know, probably ranked at, the, at final nine, ten. But I, I don't think, you know, I definitely think he's part of a committee. I don't think you're going to see a 300-plus ca- uh, carry guy there. I, I just don't see him succeeding in, in that role. I just doesn't do enough consistently, doesn't add the home run threat where you're going to warrant your offense to him getting 300 touches a year. Okay. Uh, moving on to top three QBs, what do you got? Well, I, to do this, I mean, I'll give you the top two, and I, I'll put a tie at three. Look, there's four, there's four guys here. Deshaun Kaiser, obviously, for me, is the best quarterback in this class. I had a Notre Dame, big, big fan of his. Um, liked what he did, um, obviously, this season. Um, Deshaun Watson, I'm a big, big fan of. I love what he's done. I don't know why he's getting knocked right now like he is. Um, Mitch Trubisky, uh, I'm a fan. But, hey, look, if you want to tell me you have an issue taking a guy who's only played one year, I can understand that. And Patrick Mahomes, look, this is the wild card of everything. If you can get those spread instincts at him, out of him, the wildness out of him, he's got an arm that maybe only comes across maybe, you know, every seven, eight years. Things he can do with the football, people can just not do. His arm is just absolutely insane. Yeah, Mahomes' uh, father was actually a major league pitcher for the Twins. Yes, sir. And I had the pleasure to watch. To watch him twilight with my Sioux Falls Canaries, which is an independent league baseball. So I saw him pitch for a couple of years. Uh, side note, I guess you could say there. Uh, I, I like <laughs> that you throw Holmes in there. I, I, it's does Texas Tech does that just doom people at the next level? Does that scheme? I mean, it's always just like, yeah, he's good, but it's Texas Tech, you know. I mean, why why haven't we seen any of those guys come through before? I don't think they've had a guy who has the overall talent yet that Mahomes has. I mean, there's just some throws where, where you got to run it back and be like, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Where did he throw this ball from? There was one, hey, Roland left, you know, dropped a 55-yard dime into the end zone. I mean, rolling to his left, it's just things he can do. I mean, obviously you can tell, you know, he's obviously, you know, he's the son of a major league baseball pitcher because, you know, you just don't get, you know, arms like that just usually grow on trees. Just there's just things he can do, but the question is, can he do it from the pocket? Yes, I mean, you know, the numbers are always going to be inflated. I mean, you know, we're not going to see 75 yards, 75 attempts in an NFL game. That's just not going to happen. But just, I mean, raw, obviously raw. You got to you got to get the, uh, the the gunslinger. The you know, just uh, I will you know, and also the I'll make every throw and I'll try to attempt every throw because I'm going to run 110 plays today. You, you, you got to learn to hold that back. Obviously, in the NFL. 
just because, you know, in the NFL, one interception leads to an 11, 12-play, seven-minute drive, which would basically kill your entire game. So, you know, you just got to – if he can rein him in, if he's willing to – I mean, that talent is there. Okay. Uh, just for the record, Kaiser is also my number one, so obviously we are both very smart individuals. I think he did the right Jeff, thing. Uh, I think he yeah. did the right thing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coach Nick, Kelly was doing him no favors. Yeah. Nick, any questions? Okay. Uh, let's say you're the Redskins GM, and uh, one of the top two teams, the 49ers or Browns, are trying to trade for Kirk Cousins. Is there any way you would trade Cousins uh, <laughs> to get one of the top two picks and replace him with Kaiser or Watson and a future first-round pick, or would you stick with Cousins? I don't see the reason not to stick with Kirk Cousins. I mean, look, at least you know what Kirk Cousins is. And, look, with the quarterbacks, everybody, oh, they go too high, they go too high. Well, you know, he's really a second-round guy. Look, the, the demand in the NFL for quarterbacks is dire. That's why they go higher. Just accept it. That's just the way it goes. But if I'm a team like Washington, and, look, you know, Kirk Cousins does run a little hot, does run a little cold, and the Gruden seem to be a decent match. If your issue, if you're Washington, is, I don't want to pay a quarterback $20 million. Well, then guess what? You're changing your quarterback every three years. Because once your quarter, if your quarterback pans out, you know, what are you going to do three years from now when it's going to be closer to $30 million you got to pay him? Just, just if I'm watching it, stick with what you have. I mean, this year just maybe wasn't the best thing for you. Obviously, it didn't help that your number one round, uh, your first round pick is still in a walking boot in February. You know, you spent all that on Josh Doxson hoping it would help the offense. I don't know how you can – Say, well, we took a step back this year when, you know, you didn't have your first-round pick. You know, Jordan Reed obviously, you know, missed some time, obviously a lot of time. Now we're starting to get a little bit nervous about whether or not, you know, he's closer to the end with these head injuries. For me, I'm not going to give up the quantity, the known quantity I have in Kirk Cousins and basically just tell myself I'm rebuilding right now. And I'll be honest, I mean, I don't, you know, Kirk Cousins going for first, second, or third-round pick in the draft? Whew, that seems a little much. Okay. Um what what are your thoughts on Nathan Peterman? I I actually have him above Mahomes, another ACC kid. Just just think the pro style offense will help him help him translate. Just just a solid kid, get strong on his feet, great great thrower. What do you think? Um, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. He's definitely in the mix there. You know, the five, six, seven, eight range. Pro, I mean, people want to talk up Davis Webb down in Mobile. I think Peterman is the best quarterback there. You know, I see a guy who, you know, who is an NFL starter. I don't think he's going to start right out the gate. But, you know, like you said, the pro-style offense, hey, look, I mean, only one blemish this year for Deshaun Watson and Clemson, and we know who that was. Yeah. Five touchdowns for Nathan Peterman. Um, I I didn't write down tight ends for you. Uh, do, do you have tight ends? You got, you, got a, you got a top three tight ends? Can you narrow it down oh, to three? Such, such a deep class. Believe it or not. Believe it or not, I do have three. Uh, you know, obviously, O.J. Howard, it's, you know, that's, there's, look, I mean, yes, it's a great tight end class, but look, he's, we're talking maybe top 10, maybe at worst 12, 13. Uh, I mean, you know, he came out yesterday, said he's going to run more, uh, mid four fives, six six, almost 260 pounds. He's played in line, he's blocked. And, you know, I know me and a lot of other people for years, last two years, we've been watching Alabama wondering, well, why the hell aren't you throwing this guy the ball? They just almost like yeah. didn't ever want to use him. And and when they did, it was lights out. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if, you know, we're, you, you'll see the Jimmy Graham 100 reception type of guy, but, I mean, 
Yeah, there is. I mean, you want to say he's going top 10, 11, 12? Yeah, he's that good. Uh, David Njoku, uh, Njoku out of Miami, I think here's a guy that's just, just starting to hit his stride as a player. You saw the athleticism. Miami actually used him. They actually used him as an athlete. I mean, he was playing punt team, excelled in everything, the athletic ability. I mean, just every you know, week it seemed he could be able to do a little bit more. Fantastic player. I know, uh, I know a lot of Oakland Raider friends I, I know really, really would love that pick for them, you know, right around 24 or wherever. And I'll put Evan Ingram as third. I just think Evan Ingram, he's going to give you, you know, you, I think you have a 65, 70 reception guy there. He, I mean, I look at the Florida State game. You know, there's a, there's a solid team he played. Easily went for over 100 yards. You know, opened the middle all day long. Worked it, excelled in it, can take the hit. Those are three guys. I mean, and even, you know, fantasy-wise, I mean, these guys are – those guys are ones that, you know, dynasty-wise you're definitely looking at. Hard. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we know O.J. Howard isn't going to be a blocking liability. Because we know Absolutely. we know he's going to he's be not, ready for that. He's not coming off the field. He's not coming off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, any questions there about the tight ends? I'm curious if there's going to be any tight ends that are going to get drafted high uh, because of their blocking ability who are not going to be fantasy relevant in any, in, in any way, just because they're not pass catchers. They're, they're just such great blockers that they get drafted high and guy, guy, guys to avoid basically. Most of them, most of them, all of them, you know, obviously the receiving point is, is where they excel. But look, at the end of the day, you got to be able to do something blocking wise. I mean, look, Jay Samaro, he was another guy. He was a guy years ago we all loved. You want to know what? Was never really into contact, was never really able to, to block anybody. <laughs> Fed up his time real quick in New York, went to Tennessee. Tennessee couldn't even really get him involved. Now, here was a team that likes to move the tight ends, has a quarterback who likes to throw on the run, would have been a nice mix working in with Delaney Walker. And, again, same thing. You've got to be able to at least show that you can you know, contain somebody, block somebody, get a little physical. Otherwise, they got no use for you. And, you know, these guys, you know, for the most part, they can. I don't think they're liability. Why, you know, I don't think they're, you know, the, you know we don't, we're not talking, you know, the third offensive tackle guys. But, look, you've got to be able to do enough to stay on the field if you want to get these targets. Okay. Uh, moving on to uh, DBs. What, what do you got for us? Now, obviously, you can go corner or safety. What do you got? I think, you know, obviously from this perspective, and you know, uh, I think you gotta, you got to have Malik Hooker up, up near the top. Um, the season he just put together was phenomenal. Obviously, he didn't play much as a registered freshman. Went in this year, obviously, you know, scoring three touchdowns, seven interceptions, and your full extended look. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. Obviously, you know, the, the, uh, you know, he still has some issues as far as tackling every now and then. You know, the bad angles show up. You know, may happen with a younger player who gets a little over-exuberant. You can kind of understand that. But, uh, you know, Hooker, obviously, for me, you know, you're talking probably you – know, we're probably talking two for, uh, top ten safeties between him and Jamal Adams. But I think Hooker's the one with the more ball skills. And, obviously, you know, the fantasy, uh, fantasy format, that's definitely a guy you're looking at a little bit more. Uh, next I'm going to go with uh, – look, I've been all over the University of Washington Huskies all year. I love every one of these guys coming out of there. Uh, Buda Baker, huge, huge dual threat. If you guys, obviously, you know, people you – know, you know, I don't like major comps throwing out to big-time players – but you want a guy that gives you a Tyron Mathieu type of thing and type, type of effect, this is what Buda Baker does. I mean, he uses solid free safety. He can, he can man cover. He's got that ability where he can deke a quarterback into thinking somebody's open, jump the route and get it. Just really, really big fan of Buda Baker. People want to knock the height a little bit. You know, yeah, maybe he's under 5'11", but we're also talking about a guy who was a high school state long jump. 
So you got to assume his vertical is kind of okay, so I'm not too concerned there. And Sidney Jones out of Washington, my favorite corner in the class, uh, came into the season with six interceptions in his career this year. They kind of got wise and really weren't throwing at him. Tw- uh, 21 career passes defense, six career forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. I mean, as a cornerback, a playmaker, you know, obviously get his nose dirty, dirty makes plays. Sidney Jones in a deep class of corners, you know, he's my, he's my scoop of ice cream I want first. Okay. Um, you talked about the, the UConn kid. Say that name again for me. You did it so well. Obi Melifonwu. Yeah, and he he looks like he could be that, that, that in-the-box crusher, right, at the next level. Oh, absolutely. Definitely, you know, strong in run support. Uh, if you actually check my Twitter feed somewhere, actually, uh, Kyle Posey, a uh, great video guy and uh, draft guy. He put a cl- up a clip yesterday. You know, definitely can walk on up. Obviously, he holds his own in run support. Uh, seven career interceptions this time at UConn. Every year the tackles went up. Uh, over 330 career tackles in his college career. You know, the, obviously, if you want to, you probably can find a way to use him in nickel linebacker situations with his size. You know, definitely, definitely a solid player. And, you know, I think before it's all said and done, because the rumors are he's going to run 4-4, four, four, supposedly have a broad jump of, you know, over 11-5. You know, you're talking about a guy who's probably going to end up going top 50 when it's all said and done. Okay. Um, Nick, any questions there about the DBs? Well, uh, the IDP fantasy players, definitely at tackle numbers is the number one thing that they look at. Uh, do you think the UConn safety is, is probably the number one IDP safety on the board, or do you look at other guys that are probably better tackle number guys? If you want tackle number guys, I'd probably, you know, I think Jamal Adams at LSU is going to be your top one. Uh, I mean, you know, just he just carries himself so, so well on the field. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, quarterback Jackson at Louisville, you know, had a phenomenal season. Adams wasn't having none of it. I mean, was in the box, was in his grill. You know, he's talking about one of the fastest players in the nation, and Adams, you know, stuck with him stride for stride. You know, I think he ended up with like 12 tackles that game. You, you want to start with just tackles alone. Jamal Adams at LSU, definitely that's the guy you're probably targeting there. Okay. Uh, moving on to linebackers. I think, obviously, it's pretty safe. You've got to start. Uh, I threw in a couple of pass rushers here, too, just – but you're talking you want Ruben Foster. I mean, some people want to put him top five, top ten. Like you guys mentioned earlier with Cook and Fournette, if he's going that high in the draft, that may not help him. Obviously, as far as you know, from a fantasy perspective, you know, a guy like Ruben Foster, he's had a lot of success. Why? He's had a lot of played pretty clean. Definitely runs like a missile. You know, he seeks and destroys very well in his you know in his scheme role. You know, produced a lot of tackles, tackles over 115 this year. If he did want to see a little bit of a weakness. It was once the ball was past the line of scrimmage, you know, whether it was past defense. Sometimes I had a little some issues with the guys in the open field, you know, with his angles or, you know, basically, you know, running 110 miles an hour and not able to keep control of his body enough to get the tackle where he needed it. But Reuben Foster is definitely a top one. Uh, two and three, Tim Williams out of Alabama and Carl Lawson out of Auburn. Tim Williams, you know, a guy who could easily went pro last year, but, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, daddy Nick Saban just ain't letting you walk out the door even if you want to leave. And I think that's what kind of happened to Tim. But, you know, Tim Williams, you're going to see a guy, you know, obviously put him out there 3-4, you know, as an edge outside linebacker. Should be, you know, easily, a, you know, a 10-plus sock guy every year. You just got to be careful a little bit off the field. You know, some of these Bama guys, you know, they like their green weed and they like their guns. You know, a little bit of something's going to make you a little nervous to stay up at night. Uh, Carl Lawson out of Auburn, same role. Uh, this year, finally healthy, was able to put it all together. Only missed one game. 
right around right at ten sacks. At, you know, as long as the health health is there, that's the guy you're looking at. He's going to produce numbers for you. And I think you know maybe the best footballs ahead of him is he's finally got. I mean, he built like I mean, Greek god at two fifty five. The guy's chiseled. As long as he can stay healthy, you know, that's a solid guy there that should, you know, put somewhere maybe into the 80 tackle, 10 sack a season variety for you. Definitely a solid player, too. Okay, so uh, no, no Cunningham out of Vanderbilt or or uh, Jared Davis. Now, I, if I'm picking for Oakland at 24, I want, I want Jared Davis. I think Cunningham oh. stout and going to be a great player, but Davis, there's there's too much sex appeal there. I think he's gonna fly all over the place, right? I, I'm with you on Jared Davis. Cunningham, actually, I do have a little concerns with. Not, you know, left more tackles unfinished than I would normally like when we're talking about a player of this caliber. Look, when you play on Vanderbilt, you're the best player on that defense. You know, yeah, it's phenomenal when you have 13, 14 tackles a game. But you know, some of the angles were a little poor. I mean, I know he was really on the fence towards the end about whether or not he was going to enter the draft or not. You know, wouldn't have killed himself by staying. But, you know, if you're talking about those two players, and look, man, it, it bites my tongue. i got to choose a Gator over anybody. But, yeah, if I, yeah. I have my choice between the two of them, I'm going Jared Davis. Yeah. yeah. Nick, Nick, any questions there about the linebackers? Well, typically with uh, IDP scoring, uh, tackles, again, are the most uh, important thing. Any more uh, inside linebackers that, that aren't really sack-heavy guys, they're not the big-name guys, but they're going to get a lot of tackle numbers playing on the inside that you'd like to mention? I'd say a guy definitely to look into, and a lot of this will come down to whether or not he gets himself into an established defense, uh, Rick, uh, Raekwon McMillan out of Ohio State. You know, another guy, the cleaner you keep him, the more you're going to get. He gets himself in a position. You want a dream position for him? You know, New York Giants, second round. Beautiful spot where he's going to keep, be kept clean for the most part by the TFC tackles in front of him. You know, then you're talking somewhere maybe to an eight, nine tackle guy a game. That's definitely someone you're looking at. But as far as a whole, I mean, like the traditional inside linebacker, there's not a lot there this year. I mean, it's just this is a tremendously deep draft. That is one of the few positions where it's really not, you know, it's more you probably your sack producers, your pass rushers this year. Um, so, you know, a little bit that, you know, that's probably an issue there. But, you know, definitely I would like McMillan maybe as that second linebacker there when you're, if, you, if you're going that route, yes. Okay. Uh, moving on to uh, defensive line. What do you got for us? Well, I think, you know, you start your day and end your day with uh, obviously with Miles Garrett. I mean, just, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal player. You know, if, if Cleveland's even entertaining anything other than Miles Garrett at one, if I was Cleveland, I'd be like, dude, just pack your bags. Come on out. Forget it. You know, I don't know what you're training, what you're doing. Come to Cleveland. You know what? Let's go meet LeBron. Da, 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 da. Here you are. You know, for me, the draft starts at two. Uh, you talk, you know, ten, year, 10 sacks minimum per year for three years. You know, this year, you know, eight and a half. And the rumor is he played in a high ankle sprain most of the year. Still put up great tape. Six five, going to weigh right around 280. You know, for me, watching him, you know, I, you know again, you know, I, I hate to throw out Hall of Fame cops, comps, but, I mean, really, really gave off a Julius Peppers-type vibe. Uh, yeah. Solomon Thomas, late, you know, a, a guy later to the party. Beginning of the year was starting to put it together, and then just literally took off. Solomon Thomas out of Stanford, you know, uh, right around 6'3", about 275. As the year went on, just each week was more and more impressive. Destroyed UNC in a bowl game. I mean, it was just to the point where the guys at UNC were just tapping out and not even bothering blocking them. As opposed to throwing three people on them, they all just said, nah, we're not even going to bother. 
just that's how much of a dog he was that day. I think Solomon Thomas, when it's all said and done, probably going to go top ten. I really like him maybe at the Cincinnati right around nine, showing the ability to play some run as well. So you're definitely going to get a little bit of a tackle effort there. Um, and third one here, this one's a little bit more of a, you know, uh, probably a, a late second-day guy, Jordan Willis out of Kansas State. As it's gone on, he's played better and better football. Someone to knock the numbers, obviously 11 and a half sacks this year. Someone to knock the numbers because he did play in the Pac-12 where you're seeing 60 pass attempts a game. But look, his numbers and numbers at the end of the day, obviously a lot of pass rushing experience, had plenty of time to work on his craft, really liked what he's done. And, you know, obviously for four and a half sacks as a sophomore, eight and a half as a junior, 11 and a half as a senior, uh, down in Mobile, looking pretty good so far. He's a guy I like in his second, third round range. And he's shown the ability to play both ends of the field. You know, averaged uh, last two years uh, between 50 and 60 tackles at a defensive line spot. Not too shabby. Okay. Uh, another guy that had a really stellar year. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on uh, Derek Barnett out of Tennessee? Derek Barnett, I do like. The only thing that makes me a little nervous with Derek Barnett at Tennessee is Jets for years, we used to make a jo- we used to make jokes about Calvin Place was a good football player, and sometimes you need the guy every week that you look at, okay, he graded out in the 90, you know, 96, 97 every week. You need guys who are going to do what your scheme asks for. I don't, I'm not sure with Barnett if he's you know, the greatest of athletes that you're going to have you know, the upper echelon supreme pass rusher. But, you know, you like what he can do. You know, you see some clips of him, you know, 25-yard downfield covering. Pretty impressive athlete, but the question is, 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 is he athletic enough to do all those things we saw at Tennessee in the NFL? Um, you know, but definitely a guy probably going to go, top, you know, top 20 as long as the tests go well and everything. You know, you know, over 10 sacks in the SEC, nice player. He's a real nice player. You just get a little bit of question whether or not about he's got, you know, the upper echelon athletic ability that's going to take to succeed, you know, on an all-pro level in the NFL. Yeah, and I think a guy like him is going to be really, really scheme dependent. You don't, you don't want him going to a three fourteen because they'll probably no. make him an outside linebacker. And we, we saw how that worked out with Preston Smith in Washington. I mean, it, they just, they just can't, it just can't happen. So he needs to be on a four three defense. Look, look for that. Weak, weak side uh, defensive end, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Jonathan Allen is a name that you didn't mention. List technically listed as a defensive tackle right now. Do do you see that? I mean, maybe you know, maybe he's a three four D end, uh, but if he is, if he is a defensive tack, defensive tackle, I mean, little undersized, you know, ten 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 points under a under three hundred. What what do you, what do you think is his role at the, at the next level? Uh, you know, I, I've seen some people try to even mention edge or mention defensive end at all. Uh, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You, you know, you don't play the ball Jonathan Allen's played for the last few years, you know, where you're a guy playing out of position. Look, and the other thing is, is we're also talking about Nick Saban. If Nick Saban felt he was best fit at a defensive end, that's probably where Nick Saban would have used him. Look, keep him in defensive tackle. Look, it's the, you know, for a guy at 290, it's not too hard to get the 305. Look, keep him comfortable. He moves well, obviously, you know, has some pretty good athletic ability. I mean, you see him diving, hurtling over blockers. No reason to move him. Um, you know, I'm also not going to say I see him as a top three, four pick in the draft. I don't. I, I necessarily don't see that. You know, because a lot of time and look with these Bama guys. You know, yeah, everybody looks good. You know, it's, it's basically a collegiate all-star team. These guys should look good. They're the creme to the creme. They should all look good when playing together. And it is hard sometimes to basically, you know, almost you know tunnel vision when you're watching these guys play to see just exactly what this guy brings to the table. 
But you know, there's nothing wrong with Jonathan Allen. I think will be uh, Jonathan Allen. will be a quality player. I just don't know if I think we have this, you know, generational talent that some people want to turn him into. Yeah, and you know, going back to the Alabama NFL thing, Allen. I think both Allen and Tim Williams could have been end of the first round picks had they come out last year. <laughs> and now, hopefully, they hopefully they help their status by coming back. But uh, so maybe they're mid first guys. But uh, Nick, any you questions know, there we, about the defensive line? Go ahead. Well, part of the thing with Tim Tim Williams was is his some of the off field stuff started to leak over the summer which meant that stuff was going to – that stuff would have leaked in April. It would have come out, and it would have come out at the worst time. At least now it was out, you know, and now it's, it can be thoroughly researched. These people can dig as far as they want, find out who his girlfriend was in seventh grade, whether or not he sent her a Valentine's Day card, and, you know, that type of wacky BS that he said yeah. it was on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so maybe that's where it is. But, yeah, it, I mean, you know, it's, it's Alabama. We'll get our three, four first-round picks every year like we always do. Yeah. Yeah, maybe five. Um Nick, Nick, any questions there about the D-line? Well, one of the toughest uh, positions to fill in full IDP leagues is the defensive tackle position. Um, do, you, do you have any do – you, do you really like any of the defensive tackles coming out as far as being able to put up big numbers, kind of like the way Aaron Donald does in, uh, in, with the Rams? Uh, maybe uh, – well, whew, wow, you're <laughs> that's good for a lot. Um, one I really do like, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Let, Let, uh, Letualele out of uh, Utah. There'll be a guy that goes later, big kid, high motor. I mean, you know, crazy, crazy athletic for a guy who's probably damn near 340 pounds. But part of the problem is, is I mean, you know, not many deep tackles are going to see the reps that an Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald sees just because, you know, he, you know, a lot of it has gotten more situational. You know, Aaron Donald, you know, he's a once in a six, seven year type guy, you know. It's not often that you get a guy who was at 6'1", 290, goes to a senior bowl and dominates an interior and basically embarrasses people. You know, it's just, you know, it's seldom seen. And even this year, my God, they started using him, you know, out on the edge as a defensive end. Just, you know, you know, trying to find the next Aaron Donald, man, you're going to be digging at that beach for a while with your uh, metal detector. <laughs> um, any, uh, any thoughts on uh, Michigan State's uh, Malik McDowell? I'm not the biggest a fan. I'm not the biggest a fan. I, 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 the six three two eighty for me seems a little weird. I, I think he, I think he freelances more than an NFL team is is going to like. I mean, look, you're playing on the interior. Your first obligation is to consume people, then maybe make your place from there. I think he freelances too much. You know, I, I don't see a first round player there. I see an early second round player there. Maybe as a guy like him needs that, you know, maybe needs that light under him. You know, look, man, you've got to be one of 11, not the one of 11. Um, not a guy I was just totally sold on. Um, you know, he kind of got the feeling, you know, that maybe he, you know, he, all intentions were towards the end. He was just going to go pro with missing the last three, four games or whatever that it was, you know, kind of maybe checked out on once the season kind of went down the toilet for Michigan State. Uh, not the hugest of fans, to be honest, no. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, Three four, uh, three four D end. I just, I don't I don't really see much uh, much else out of him, which probably won't help his uh, his fantasy production. But like you said, he likes no. he likes to freelance, so maybe. Yep. What? Well, exactly. And the other thing, but I mean, also what you're talking with an underclassman, man, you, you want to be leaving on your highest or high notes. I want to see your last three games better and better and better, not just uh, you know I'm a little hurt, man. We're, well, we suck. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm out. I'm going <laughs> 
you know, just just for me, that kind of always just kind of gives me a bad taste. Um, and I was really hoping you'd throw in the Florida State guy, with Demarcus Walker. What animal, right? <laughs> I, I love Demarcus Walker. I just I, I think that the problem is going to be NFL wise. And look, I'm never going to not root for one of my guys. I think the NFL is going to is going to see a bit of a tweener. I think he plays more uh-huh. as an interior type of player. Obviously, he's great lining up. You know, under you know, excellent with the swim move off a guard or a center. You know, sometimes he's actually throwing in the double swim move. The athletic testing I don't think is going to be what these other guys are. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to give you – he's not going to be the most beautiful of pass rushers. He's not going to be, you know, Von Miller pretty. You know, but could he be yeah. Tom Bahali effective where, you know, you're not seeing, you know, this phenomenal athlete wreaking havoc, whereas you're seeing a guy that says, look, man, if your quarterback's going to hold that ball for four and a half seconds, that's going to be an issue because somehow, some way, he's going to find his way there. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of um... – Ah, uh, sorry. I had a comparison. Well, you know, the one, one I kind of uh, use is uh, I kind of use also from the movie Rudy. You know, what did he say about Rudy? If I could put your heart and your soul in some of my athletes, you know, I think that's, you know, you'd either want the Marcus, Marcus Walker to get somebody else's athletic ability or take what he's got inside of him into one of these lazy guys who's got great athletic ability. Yeah, and he kind of he reminds me of Kevin Dodd. And it's just like that's, brutal that's for his one. ADP vet. IDP value when he went to Tennessee and they made made him an outside linebacker. I'm just like that makes no sense yep. at all. <laughs> uh, well, so. the, if, if your intention is to put him at a three four outside linebacker, that, just watch the Louisville game and you know that's a terrible idea. If you just, if you want to go back and just rerun that, no. But I mean, they were running you know guys with four four speed right at him, and it's that's not where he's he excels. He excels going north and south, not east and west. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jeff, once again, you let us. You let us keep you for way too long. Uh, we, we we appreciate that you are so good to us. Um, and hopefully, we shed we shed some light and gave everybody a good a good scope on the class. If you needed a needed a primer, this is certainly your podcast. <laughs> guys, anytime for you guys, you know that. All right, cool. Next time, music will get you that, and ho- hopefully, we'll get you on a uh, pre-draft. Maybe maybe we could do this again. All right, but. You know, we always we always make something work, fellas. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you, bud. Take care, guys. Have a great day. Oh <laughs> uh, well, obviously, awesome, awesome information from Jeff there. Uh, did we have him on an hour? Hour. That's what it was. Um, but anyway, uh, Nick, any any thoughts? You feel like you're feel like you're up up to snuff now on the class? You ready to go? Yeah, tomorrow. yeah, like I <laughs> like like I told you before the show, uh, I was absolutely not prepared for uh, the rookie draft. Now I feel like I am way more prepared than I was before. So, yeah, great. Thanks to Jeff. He he, as always, provides us with great great information. Yeah, yeah, good. Always good stuff. And I obviously, being a fan of the draft myself, I could I could debate draft draft all day with somebody like that so always always good to have jeff on um next week we have a super bowl round table kind of our, our tradition here at the pod uh gonna be at least four of us um so me nick chuck and uh mark schofield from inside the pylon maybe maybe one other guest 
uh, we'll see what I have time for this weekend to loop somebody else in. But uh, just uh, really, really kind of not not a normal pod, really uh, Super Bowl centric. So we uh, will probably do a few things that we normally do, but uh, really, really focus and hard and just kind of have a roundtable discussion about about the uh, Super Bowl, the last real game of the NFL season, I should say. So, Nick, any closing thoughts? Uh, just looking forward to the roundtable discussion next week, and uh, of course, uh, it'll be interesting to see the uh, the skills competition, whether or not that's entertaining that the NFL is trying <laughs> uh, with the Pro Bowl this week. Uh, it'll be entertaining until somebody pulls a hamstring and they shut the whole thing down. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I guess I've just kind of heard about it. What are they supposed? To, are, they, are they doing like forty times and what? Uh, Cake throws, what are they doing? You know? Have you read up on you it? You know, I, I have not looked that much into it. I was just going to try to be surprised by the TV presentation and see what <laughs> happens. But uh, not the, the bar is pretty low there. I, I'm not expecting a whole lot. Well, I know the AFC quarterbacks were supposed to be Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, Tom Brady. And uh, now it's Andy Dalton <laughs> and somebody else. So I was, what I'd really like to see is I want to see who can throw the furthest pass, like, on the fly. Like, you know, start them at the, you know, the opposing 40-yard line and see if they can, you know, hit the hit the goalpost or something like that. I, those guys can throw 70 yards in the air, right? I want to, I want to see that. Furthest pass on the fly. So if, you, if you're scoring or listening at home, tell them. That's what we want to see. Um, and is it Hawaii? Are they in Hawaii again this year? Uh, I believe it's in Orlando, which is a show. Orlando, which is late. Uh, okay, well, wh- right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's in Orlando? Uh, Disney World. Uh, so next time, I know I said this last time, but next time they're back in Hawaii, Nick. We got to get you a press pass to the skills competition, <laughs> of course. Ah, but <laughs> that is all we have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, Super Bowl roundtable next week, and then we'll be all over free agency, team reviews, and uh, draft in the off season. Always fun off season stuff. I absolutely love. So I'm more of a, a pontificator than a prognosticator. I don't know. <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, amazing, amazing to have such a great show. And a, and a guest like Jeff. I'm going to play Jeff's other clip here before we get out of here. Take care, folks. No offensive coordinator in the world has the page where they go, okay, second and 14, here's what I want to run. Thank you.
Yang.